Combustible, the MAFSI podcast, is produced by the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference, an all-volunteer, always-nonprofit group of firefighters training other firefighters. We invite you to visit our website at www.maffc.org or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We must acknowledge the following sponsors without whom MAFSI couldn't exist. Scott Safety, Motorola, Delta Airlines, Georgia Fire and Rescue Supply, Blackman Mooring, 10-8 Fire Equipment, MES, Columbia Southern University, and Tempest Technology. Lastly, if you would like to make a tax-deductible donation and support our mission of building better firefighters, please find us on our GoFundMe page. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the participants' own and do not reflect the views of any organization the participant may be affiliated with, including but not limited to the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference and the Metro Atlanta Fire Officers Association. Uh, welcome to Combustible. This is the Massey Podcast. Uh, today we got Babel Troche with his big smile and face. I wish everybody could see it right now. Uh, Troche is a captain with uh, one of the Metro Atlanta fire departments on the uh, north end of Metro Atlanta. So, Troche, why don't you, uh, why don't you go ahead and get started and give us a little introduction. All right. Uh, honored to be here with the team that I have around me, a great, great people that I've enjoyed personally and professionally. I started the fire, my fire service career in 2001. Prior to that, I was actually in law enforcement for a little while, and I did... Uh, How did I not know that? Yeah. A there couple of secrets that have probably come out through How here. How did I so, not know he was in law enforcement? I didn't know that either. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, I, know, I wait, wait, before we get hidden. started, since uh, Shane was so uh, rude, he's going to introduce himself. Oh, yeah. He's also going to introduce me, but I'll, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's my. a great idea. Because <laughs> <we're, laughs> there's actually three of us in the room. Yeah. Uh, we're I in, messed that part up. We're in a secret location. Deep. I'm just kidding. Uh, so my name is uh, Battalion Chief Douglas Hatcher. I also work for a uh, Metro Department and uh, have been with the, the Massey Committee and uh, been doing this podcast. Uh, this is our second one, so we hope everybody enjoys this and uh, keeps listening and keeps uh, checking it out for us. Yeah, thanks, Hatch, for bringing us back around on that. I totally forgot uh, to do the introductions for us. So I'm Shane Dobson, Assistant Chief with another one of the Metro Atlanta Fire Departments. All right, so we'll get Stop going. Stop looking at the clock. I, I think what they were doing there is just kind of paving the way, going, here's how you do it. <laughs> so I got it. I got the message. No. Um, so you got started in 2001, but Correct. I, I do got to go with this law enforcement thing. I didn't okay, so in, prior to law enforcement, I was in electronic security in, in South Florida, and I did electronic access control and all that kind of stuff, surveillance for uh, some of the casinos and the banks and all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, when I moved to Georgia, I went into, I, I worked at a jail. I was actually in law enforcement for a little while while I was getting all my stuff together to go into the fire EMS venture. All right. I'm going to stop right here. So this guy got into it with medical. And you got in. And so I'm the only one at the table that got in the fire service with the fire service being the first thing they did. My family has a lot of fire in it. There's a lot of firemen in the family. So, you know, it was one of those uh, late bloomer. I was a late bloomer coming in. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Well, um, well, we're a little bit ahead of schedule, but I think we should just go ahead and get jumped right in there. Uh, a few years ago, you and I, uh, I don't know if I suckered you into it or you took it willingly. You did. I don't you know. You suckered me into it. Uh, we did a uh, leadership challenge event um, back in October of 2012. And for me, it was extremely eye-opening, and I believe for you it was extremely eye-opening. And it out was. of that, you developed um, what is a MAFSI class, uh, Combat Ready. Correct. Tell, how, how, did, how did that leadership event or that challenge event, tell us about that. How did that all come together? Okay, so you definitely suckered me into the event along with 25 or 24 other people. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, actually, since since coming into the fire service, you know, I've always, I'm a student. I always want to absorb the people around me, the personalities, why do you do what you do, and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, uh, me in the pursuit of always learning, trying to pick things up, one the reason that had such a huge impact is because a lot of the people that were involved in it okay there was a lot of go-getters within that group 
My interest in it was the fact that how do you round these people up and by the end of a day you have a cohesive team? How are they achieving this? And obviously it had to do with the gentleman that was hosting this event right. and his background as a special forces military individual and all that kind of stuff and i just wanted to really focus in on how is it that you can take a group of individuals and within a 12 to 14 hour period make them a team and how how can we learn from that and then bring it to the fire service our departments or even our own crew at the station level well you know and i've known you for a while now mm -hmm. I feel like you probably already had a pretty good idea how to make that happen. So what specifically happened in that challenge? Was it just the fact that we did it and there was like, you know what, we could replicate this. I mean, were you trying to bring it to the firehouse? Were you trying to bring it to a class? What was the ultimate goal of that? For me, the ultimate goal was uh, really to absorb what was going on, not necessarily to bring it back anywhere but just for my own sake to go how are you gathering these people together and and you're getting you know this positive feedback around the nation of bringing teams together people gelling together like that so while i was in it seeing that whole formula put together you mean while we were suffering while we were suffering together See, that's what i was going to say you know if it was me i would just be considering how am i going to survive this there not, were not, lots of that going not, on not you know oh the takeaway from that was that's what that's what i'm curious about so i know that because it was shortly after we actually finished there was really some decompression time where we were trying to get where we could just actually walk again correct but it wasn't long after that i remember you hitting me up you were like just mind blown, like oh my so what was god! Yeah, so I guess you said, what's the epiphany? Yeah. So here's my yeah. here's my epiphany, and, and and it actually didn't have anything to do with the physical aspect of it, uh, not even Which the I mental. Need to make a note of because I got a question for you about the okay, physical. not even the mental aspect of it. My epiphany there was that the strength of the team came from the people that you were surrounded by. So what I felt while we were doing that, that I was surrounded by such phenomenal people that I wanted to share what we harnessed, what we created, it's like we have got to share this with the fire community. There was no separation because you're in this department, I'm in this department, you're more physical, physically capable than I am, you're a chief, I'm a captain, this was just a firefighter. It was that whole collaborative effort and I felt my strength in the group, not in myself. So me as an individual would have had a high probability of failure me as a team, right. there was no way we were going to allow each other to fail. So that to me was the epiphany that took place that was, okay, all I need to do is, number one, network the people that don't know the people that I have next to me, the powerhouses that are sitting right here. You two have a tremendous amount of influence on me. So if I can just get people to meet you and to talk to you and we can kind of encompass that, the, the people that have influenced me, other people to uh, get to meet them, that has a huge impact. So basically the power of what you're willing to do for others more than what you're what willing you to do, do for yourself. Right. Which that was pretty much the takeaway for me. Well, y'all looking at me. Well, <laughs> I see a big point but. Like well, a well, but coming. Right. And, and, and we talked about this earlier about, you know, how do we get in, into MAFSI? And it, for me, that kind of segues into that a little bit right. of, of me wanting that same kind of thing, that collaboration, that being sacrificing your time, your efforts. Uh, you know, no money. We do it. We do it for free. The the uh, the committee that puts on MAFSI, it was all about being part of something bigger than yourself and collaborating with you know just stellar stellar individuals and getting all together. Uh, you know, I don't know what y'all's experiences. Why you all got into uh, well, that's that actually a good question. What? How did you get involved? Because I don't. I mean, it seemed like we were all just showed up one day and we were kind of working together. So how did you get involved in MAFSI? So my involvement in MAFSI, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, uh, there was a class that took place at Sandy Springs. And that class was, you know, just an outside instructor that came in to discuss about some stuff and uh, a couple of people from MAFSI, this was, I mean, just getting off the ground, came up there and said, we're, doing, we're starting off the Metro Atlanta Fire Conference if anybody's interested based on the individuals that were speaking and the words that they said i was 100 percent in i i left that place in an what hour kind of didn't go by huh? what kind of words are you talking about i'm kind of curious of who it was <laughs> well gray i believe was one of them 
I think Sean Gray was one of them, but basically the, their uh, enthusiasm, uh, for me, the collaboration, like, wow, this is something that's going to, anybody from any agency can be part of. Right. So I wasn't out one hour going, I have got to be part of this thing in one way or another. And I sent an email saying, you know, I would like to be part of this by offering this class, but also, how can I help? And it just snowballed because help was needed so it's almost you raise your hand and, and you're, and you're, you're it. it okay right. we're going to use especially in that beginning we were it was any and everything yeah i mean that, that's the whole thing is we bring in as many people as we can you know that don't want to get involved in it and the, the management of it and the, the bringing it to life uh so you always taught at the same time that you were on the committee the whole yes. time you've taught, I, I yes. realize that every year you've also taught uh, yeah, in the beginning, you know, that, that is really the key cornerstone to it, in my opinion, is that collaboration. You know, I learned, I was lucky enough to be the chair one year, uh, I believe in 2012, and I learned more about leadership in, in managing and dealing with people because it wasn't about money. Right. You know, we're all there for free. It was about, you know, they wanted to get something out of it. They wanted to be a part of something. It wasn't about politics or any of that kind of stuff. It was about not letting the other members of the team, which is kind of goes right back to your point with your leadership challenge. You didn't want to let them down. You know, you wanted to provide whatever you were, you know, in charge of, uh, whether it be logistics or marketing or whatever. You wanted to provide for them and, and do a top-notch job. It wasn't to get a pat on the back. It was to make the whole thing come off. Yeah, one of the most appealing things to me when I got involved was the amount of support that you were getting from all levels. So me at the time, uh, I believe it was a firefighter too or something like that and being in a room predominantly made up of chief and high-ranking officers within the fire service and the amount of support you're getting and being treated like, as an equal and them exploiting what they felt was your your strong suits and stuff like that i felt needed i felt wanted i felt used and those are all things that are good for us so for me it was it just drew me in i have something to offer and you're willing to uh to capitalize on it by all means that you know gives you a, a sense of accomplishment when they're saying okay these guys can actually use me so right not to mention man that some of the training that's coming out of that is just blows me away i'm not kidding it's just such i mean a little shout out from absa here i'm telling you it's just top notch training coming out of there so and, and it's good to see even some of our local instructors really really spreading their wings a little bit on some of that so yeah how'd you yeah. get into it Shane? um you know uh being being here, working with, uh, which I don't remember if we said that last time, working with uh, Roswell, um, that that probably was it because there's just such a dynamic mix here of who you get to work with. And, and that's what I think makes Roswell awesome in so many ways is because, you know, I, I remember when me, you, and Shane were working together and we were like three battalion chiefs riding the fire truck together and how odd that was, you know. But, you know, you just you just Nobody wanted to do anything. We all just pointed fingers. Right, we all told each other what to do. You're it. It was great. <laughs> you know, you mentioned that, and I think what was ultimately achieved, because some would say, and some of the, the founding fathers of the conference, that it was birthed out of this place. But what I would say is that we took something that we found somewhere, like you mentioned at Roswell, where you have a collaboration of all the different departments coming together. Our, our tabletop discussions are just right. <laughs> unbelievable. And we created that for the whole metro area by putting the Metro Atlanta Fire Conference together and saying, hey, look, you got all the local people. We're bringing some from the outside. Uh, that diversity and opinions, tactics, and everything else that you're bringing in, that's what makes it so amazing. Right. So, Massey's rolling. We've done our leadership challenge. And then Combat Ready is born. Right. Tell me, tell me about Combat Ready. Give me All right, so Combat Ready, you know, the, the first question that comes up is why combat? What's, what are, why are we choosing combat? We're all in combat with many things, and if you look up the uh, definition, you'll find that we're all in combat. Some of our brothers and sisters are in combat with cancer. Uh, some of us are in combat with a person dying or a structure fire or whatever. So we're always at combat. We're at combat with complacency, lack of training, whatever the case may be. So after the challenge, immediately in my mind, what I wanted to do is put something together that I personally haven't found. The missing link to me was since I joined the fire service, everything that I did, I was getting evaluated as an individual. Right. We can all go in as a team, 
but I would come out as an individual of whether I passed or failed. What I wanted to do is, number one, expose everyone to the amazing people that I've been exposed to and put a cadre together that's the people that are influential, uh, just great people, good intention and all that kind of stuff, and then put something together where we can build teams. You look at your person to your left, you look at the person to the right, and your only goal, the only task, the only rule is that they will make it. So we either succeed or we fail as a team. There's no individuality whatsoever. Right. You know, and we actually had a conversation earlier about this individualistic type training, and that's been the tradition of the fire service is yeah. that very individualistic type training. Um, and I'm not going to go where we went. Well, we can talk about that for a second. I think we still need that because we need yeah, to know that we, you have the skills. Skill, right, the skill set has to be defined. But the, the teamwork part of it and the part the team building part of right. it is, is a very missing link, I think, into a lot of what we do so nowadays. So I, I believe, and I've helped with Combat Ready now for since, since the beginning, mm -hmm. and um, I will say that there definitely is a focus on that individualistic skill set. So there is a learned skill set sure. for each scenario or each station. But the key that I love about that is the fact that if we don't make it as a group, we just don't make it. Right. So there's, there's two classes, two end results. The end result is we have a successful outcome. That means everybody made it through, everybody was successful. People will learn as an individual what they want. As an individual, they take away what they want to take away. Some take away an emotional component. Some will take away a physical component. We've had people that have struggled with... Uh, staying physical, losing weight, this is a reset button for them. Right. Some has, has been an emotional, hey, I needed this kickstart, so they'll take that away. The second outcome is what we would call a shadow class. A shadow class is we were all here, someone did not make it, we failed. We will come back and we will readdress this when that person makes it through with us. And the mindset behind that is we don't have the ability to hire fire. Our team is our team. Which We're is, given that I team. I love that concept of MAFSI, the fact that you don't get to pick your team. You get your team. Yeah, you this get is, what you got. This is what you got. You're today. talking about in, in his class? Right? Actually, in, in our jobs and in his class. He doesn't get to pick that team. Those team members, those classmates didn't pick one another, so to speak. They just, all 20 of them landed together, and here's the, the objectives for the day. And, and you have to gel and you make it happen. You know, I always say uh, the fire service is very similar to forced marriage. Here's what you got. And you have to deal with it. And it's just a fact. And you have to, you have to learn to deal with the idiosyncrasies and everything else. So uh, at the station level, we're, too often what we'll do is we'll find each other, you know, it's because of this guy that we're not, uh, or gal that we're not being successful versus as a company officer, which in, in Combat Ready, what we do is take the company officers to the front. And we say, you lead from the front. This is what we do. And when you are weak at something, you have somebody that's by your side that will strengthen you on that and vice versa. That's what we do. We don't have the option to say, I'm going to exclude this person from the team. That's your team, whether you like it or not. Right. And I do believe, uh, back to the individuality, I do believe that it's important to have those individual skills and those classes that test you as an individual and all that kind of stuff. I don't disagree with that at all. I just don't know or have not been exposed to too many uh, classes, training that says you will succeed or fail as a team. You will not be able to walk away from this uh, successfully by yourself. No, it's and I not think possible. That, I think that's one of the major keys to it because it immediately, again, takes that you, me, out of it. I'm not performing for me anymore. Now I have to perform to my brother or sister to the left or right or to the group. You know, I'm being held accountable by them. But that's, yeah. that's also how it works on when we're working on fire scenes. You know, you're mm -hmm. there as a team. You're not there as an individual. You're not pulling that hose all by yourself. Absolutely. That's yeah. exactly what we're supposed to do on the fire ground. But I'll tell you this. We've gotten very selfish. We have gotten, you know, we, we're supposed to run fire grounds that are supposed to be these coordinated efforts, Correct. right? And what I really, a lot of times, I'm not going to say every time, but a lot of time is what I see is is a bunch of individual tasks or strategies being executed independently with them not understanding how that affects the next task. Correct. And Shane, you've been part of this from the beginning. And one of the, the things that I know you're aware of it that we do is we won't hit the drill yard and start training 
on fire tactics. And the end result that we want to achieve is a coordinated fire effort with 20 to 25 people that have never met themselves right. for the most part and actually coordinate it to where it goes flawless. And it has been very successful to date. Now, we will not hit the drill yard till we come into the drill yard as a team. Right. Uh, knock on wood. So far, we've made it back to the drill yard and achieved that. But, you know, one of the, the tasks that they have is once we leave that drill yard in the morning to go get our leadership and our motivation and start gelling as a team, unless that's achieved on the outside, unless we can come together and accomplish all the tasks on the outside of the drill yard where they are tasked with all the weights and everything else, we don't come back into the drill yard and start training. Once we come back into the drill yard and we're going to commence our training, the cadre, all the instructors are now bearing all the weight. And, and that's critical. So that's to say, once we start working on that training yard, then your cadre has a great deal of weight on their shoulders to make sure that we're coordinating this effort correctly. And we found it to be extremely successful that we formulate that team first and then we make it to the fire ground. And right. too often what we'll find is you go to the station level or whatever the case is, and we're going straight out to operate on the fire ground or an emergency scene, right. and there's really been, been no, no time taken teamwork. Yeah, to focus right. together on teamwork. Uh, Whose at, responsibility is that at the station? 110%, in my opinion, is going to be the company officer's responsibility to assure that teamwork is present. What happens when he doesn't or she doesn't? You know that's yeah, an ineffective team. Exactly. I mean, in your you being in your position and me being in my position, we're the beneficiaries of that ineffective team. So how, if the company officer doesn't recognize the importance of developing that teamwork, where's the next? Is it the battalion chief? Well, it could go the other way too. It could be that senior man or well, senior, senior person, you know, that yeah. in the station that. You know, I would really like to see motivated more, or cultivated more, not more motivated, uh, to where that individual understands the impact that they have. You know, just because you're not the officer of the station doesn't mean that people aren't watching you. Oh, that the, absolutely. That the individuals aren't looking up to you. The guy or the girl that walks in the first day is not thinking about, I want to be the captain. They're thinking about, I want to be as good as that person is, you know, that senior person, that they're role modeling immediately right after them. Yeah. They, they dress how they dress. They speak how they speak. And that's human nature. So that's right, clear they want to, be, to look to see how they're going to assimilate or what they want to be right, like. Right, because they want to be accepted. Right. And so they have to understand that impact that they have on those individuals. You know, you, you can do that, that little sway. You know, if the officer isn't super strong on that ability, just like he was saying, you have somebody there to bolster that, to, to give that So strength. do we as department or or do departments or leaderships of that departments do they are they responsible for trying to tap into that that personality trait for, from an officer? You, I don't know that we do that so much. I, I don't. I don't think that we do as you know. Good how a do you tap into that as that, we could? That true leadership. That true leader ability. Well, kind of. the, you know, and getting into the leadership thing, and we've had plenty of discussion on this. The difficulty in it is that. When every time we get into a discussion on leadership of whether you can teach it or not or something that you just sharpen and, and whatever the case is, there's plenty of books written on it by a lot smaller pe smarter people. Small. There's my short joke for the smaller. day for those of you that don't know. Well, how small are they? I'm going to throw it out there before Hatch even, before Hatch even jumped on that boat right there. He was, <laughs> he was getting ready to do a day. Oh, the that was the best ever right there. Smarter people is... Uh, it's slip. Yeah. <laughs> the... Most leaders, and I've actually put this to the test, where you'll have an incident take place. And you'll go to the individual and say, how did that incident work out? What did you think? Most people will think that they did a great job and somebody else did something that was inadequate. A lot of leaders are running around thinking that they're doing a great job. Where's the accountability system and how do we hold each other accountable? To me, that Massey does a phenomenal job, and that's why I value uh, all of you, Bill, and the crew that we have is because I know that you can tell me honest conversation, Trosh, this is, this is not a good idea or whatever the case is. I don't have to get defensive because you're looking out for my, my interest. And the I, reason we can do that, and I'm going to totally steal this from Cobb, and I'm going to totally steal it from Atlanta and some of the 
you know, the courageous conversations and the crucial conversations. The reason we can do that, I feel like, is because we know each other, we trust each other, the motives are, you know, we can bring that accountability because you trust me, I trust you. I don't Relationship. To, yes. But we have to, so now we take it back to the department or we bring it back to a station level. What are we doing to build relationships? Well, we end up doing, for instance, is your promotional processes making people feud each other or feud the process? It's okay for us to get upset at the process, but what you find a lot is that some of the promotional process that we have in place actually make us feud each other. We will get upset at each other because it's designed for me to trump you in some way or the other. Uh, so I think it's critical for us to look at the department, at the station, whatever the case is, and how do we foster relationships. One of the things that I did, and Hatch, you brought it up about making sure within the station level, let's say, how do we foster some of that? Rookie comes in, I tasked him with a motivational quote every single shift, and it had to be something that was pertained to the day. It could wait till the end of the day, but by the end of shift, a motivational quote to motivate us. Somebody else is tasked with fitness. You will be our fitness person. You're going to get us up to your level. We're going to have gatherings where families are going to come in. We don't agree on everything, but we're definitely building relationships. They're getting tasked with responsibility. Trust is being instilled. And we don't get it right all the time. But I don't want to be faulted for not making an attempt at trying to foster relationships. I want to hop in there on that because I think relationships are, are a big deal. And uh, I think it's something we don't focus on quite enough. As a matter of fact, I, I have witnessed more often than not, I feel like people are are trying to get you to steer away from having relationships, from that buddy to boss kind of mentality, from that, you know, from the supervisor to the employee, that you don't want to have that relationship because it makes things more difficult, you know, if those... So as a chief, which, then I have a question for you. Do you feel that if you lead yourself from the beginning of your career, and this goes for Hatch too, if I, if I lead with integrity and I'm consistent in my actions throughout my career, do you think I'm going to have much problems with that buddy to boss that when I say square up your uniform because it's wrinkled or whatever the case is, I've always led with integrity. I'm going to, I've always, I'm not telling you to do something I physically haven't I, I produced agree with myself. That. I totally, I agree with that. I think that you, you start that from the beginning as an individual. I, I agree. But I feel like there is a there is a time right now in the fire service where people, or there at least there was, it may be turning back now. There was a time in the fire service recently where we shied away from getting involved into what was personally going on in that individual's lives. Maybe that's a little too deep. Yeah, and I agree, and I and I understand that. Uh, for me, here's what I say: I have to live with you every third right. day. We know the discussions that go on in the firehouse. We know what we're involved with. Absolutely, there's a relationship involved there. There's, there's a lot of relationship involved. Well, that probably could go a whole, yeah. a whole different direction that we don't definitely want to go just yet, I don't think. That might be another I'll ask time. my partner because he asked me to before. Okay, go ahead. Well, and I, I, I disagree. Uh, I don't think the relationship part is missing. Maybe it's not... Um, I don't think it is either, and I and I think it's important. I, I just feel yeah. like I have heard people say, and I'm not going to say who they are, I've heard them say, you don't need to be getting involved in that kind of stuff, and I don't agree with that. I think we live with a, with each other. It's part of film, uh, you know, building that teamwork. It has to be based on trust. It has to be right. knowing one another, and I think it's just part of life in the right. fire service. Right. Yeah, I, agree. I, I agree. You know, they have that old adage that says uh, they don't care how much you know until they know how much but you, you care. care. Right. That's yeah, right. and so I, I think it has a lot to do with it, you know, of building up that trust and that they know that you, you understand them or where they're coming from and, you know, what, what struggles they're going through, what their kids' names are and things like that. Uh, if... I think it makes it even more difficult to be able to hold somebody accountable if you don't have that information because there's not that trust. You know, they, they feel that it's just, you know, uh, I'm just a number to you, you know, I'm just a firefighter X or whatever. And if they, if they trust you, a lot of times when you're, when you're disciplining them, they will actually feel like they let you down. And it won't be such a confrontational situation. 
they will feel bad and you'll feel bad for doing it because you know you don't nobody wants to do that right. get bad news right. but the other individual if they trust you and know that you have their best interest in mind they're going to realize man I'll let this person down and that's going to motivate them to do better it's what you want most people when they're doing discipline don't want actually to, to do anything to hamper their career it's about behavior modification they want them to do better and this this is this is a checkup to tell you hey I need you to do better you know after this right so I think the relationships help that makes it makes it uh-huh. easier to do and that's actually brings us to a gives us an opportunity to segue into a pretty cool area I think and it's that importance of that relationship and a lot of that relationship building happens just like it's happening right here right where we're doing this podcast where we're sitting around a table together that is such a huge component in the fire service I think that kitchen table talk you know where you get to talk about those lessons right. learned or those war stories um, or whatever you want to call them or right. whatever you're not going to believe what happened to me last night we got some great storytellers <laughs> I mean I, I love there's some people I just I can't wait to hear what story they got because they're just such good storytellers so Bill and his customer service stories customer service Bill's customer service stories hey, are are pretty good. And gas leaks. And his gas leaks. He is the gas leak king. So, um, why don't you tell us, why don't you give us some table talk? A little war story. So, there I was. Should okay. we go through the there I was? Does he know what that's about? Do you know what that means? The, where that comes from? So, there I was. I'm assuming it right now, but no. So, uh, we, we, did you, you read Extreme Ownership? I, I did. Okay, so, you remember how that book starts? He talks about how all these books start, all the special yes. forces books start with, so there I was, knee-deep in grenade bins. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> I just love that. And I highly recommend that book, a phenomenal yeah, book. great book. So, so there I was. There you go. <laughs> no grenades, no pits. Uh, as a war story, I'm going to go a little bit of a different approach than most would take as far as an incident or whatever. And In today's fire service, I think it's very suiting. I had a company officer whom I worked for for many years, and in the latter part of his career, probably about, he's 15 years 15 years he was uh, at the fire service and we're about let's say 12 years in now or so we see a a degrade in his personality his character this is somebody who was extremely intelligent very squared away and we just saw some deficits he's showing up to work late this kind of stuff so there i was as a subordinate looking at a company officer who had a great deal of respect for and have a relationship with and going, well, you know, there's something wrong. So a lot of us approach this uh, company officer, what's going on? He's very guarded, very uh, private individual anyway. And we fast forward a few years and this company officer was terminated for drug use. Hmm. You know, for me, it was a changing point in my career because of this. He was a great individual. God knows how many lives he saved, how many people he transformed, and the influence that he had. Whether it was poor choice, bad timing, whatever the case is, and I have had this discussion with him in great detail, we lost a great individual that could have saved many more lives and done many more things. So that put me in a place where I really wanted to focus in on preventing things like that. And I had a very, very good discussion with them on what could I have, what could I have done differently? Is there anything I could have done? And, you know, it's not your typical war story, but for me, it's, it's a battle. It's, it's, a, it's a combat battle that this guy was uh, having with addiction. And we really failed to capture it. And I wanted to make sure that never happened again, that I could be a little bit more in tune and interject myself and salvage, not the career, but the life, because obviously this had a, so a horrible is, impact on him. is the takeaway from that, so if you're just sitting around the table and you say, man, I had this situation and here's what I would have done different, what would you have done different? So what I would have done different, and this is after discussion with him, uh, what I took away, I would have went, because at that point, he's my company officer, so I'm treading lightly here too, I would have first of all, confronted him specifically about what is going on and said, listen, I have a great deal of concern because this is not you, and I think this is what's going on. I'm going to go to the chief battalion with it, so I'm going to take that rank above and say, I'm going to go to him and address this issue because I'm genuinely concerned for you. 
as the years progress, basically what I'm getting at is this, I would have made him an ultimatum. You can address this and get the assistance that you need and go address it yourself or I'm going to do it for you because I'm not going to allow this to spiral out of control. I've already seen it happen once before with this case. So I will not allow myself to not intervene for the sake of maybe not hurting somebody's feelings or hurting a relationship. If I feel that something's wrong and an intervention needs to take place where I need to jump rank, I will let you know I am genuinely concerned and I'm going so this can get addressed because I just can't see that happen again. I don't want to see that happen again. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I, I don't want to get into too many details because I don't know who this is and I don't necessarily want to know, but it does make me wonder, you know, you talk about new firefighters coming in and they have to deal with some of the stuff going on, you know. I don't, you know, it's, this is not the first time I've heard of firefighters dealing with addiction issues, you right. know, and, and is that a personality issue? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a clinical psychologist whatsoever. But, you know, what do you tell the firefighter, the new firefighter coming in? How do you guard your, how do you be careful not to fall into that, that trap like that? You know, I, I think in, in going back to Combat Ready, the three principles that we stand on that you need to have a spiritual preparedness, a mental preparedness, and a physical preparedness. And I think it's critical with that mental and spiritual, whatever that spiritual background is and whatever you do, to understand that you're getting into a field of work that is the best job in the world. There's no question we do amazing things, but it also carries a great deal of weight. So that mental uh, strength right. is something that we need to work on. And as company officers, chief officers, and everything else, I think we need to make sure we safeguard them. We let them understand that this is a tough job that you're getting into, and there's some mental traumas that can take place, and you don't even know they've taken place till years later. What's your thoughts on that, Mike? Well, I, I agree. It does. It is a tough question. I wanted to kind of ask you all a question because I've had this discussion before, uh, not with you two. So, with that being said, when we let's call it professional influence, maybe picking on or giving each other a hard time. Do you think there's a value in that in providing some of that mental toughness? Man, I don't know. That's, um, I don't know if I'm prepared to go there on this podcast. That's a, that's that's a, that's a deep, tough question. I'll it is a tough one because it, we're dealing with things in the fire service right now yeah. because of our military brothers and sisters that have been brought to the forefront. We've really not ever thought about before, I feel, you know, as an organization or as a, as a service, you know. Right. Um, you know, our brothers and sisters in the military have suffered in ways that, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. But I know that same thing is happening to your your brother firefighter and your sister firefighter i mean they're seeing things that they you know so and there's i don't know that's a tough one i think it's something that has come to the limelight a lot more in the past few years you've seen you know the whole ptsd and all that stuff come come to light there's some great people out there offering classes there's some at massey i know keith perchy does a class with it and all that so it's coming forward at I think it kind of goes back to our relationships too to say exactly know your people right. and know when there's something wrong. I think that's important for us to know your people, know when there's something wrong and set an atmosphere where you can have some discussions and, and address some of this stuff because I think it's important you, if you build that relationship, it's going to be a lot easier for me to open up to you when you come and say, Trosh, you're not acting right. And you have plenty of time said, are you okay? And I say, ah, I'm just having a rough day because this and that. Well, we built a relationship, so it makes it a lot easier for me to vent on you guys and let you know what's going on. You guys kind of bring me back through reality or, you know, kind of lift me up a little bit. So relationship has a, a good bit to do with it, but there's no question that it's a big problem that needs to be addressed. So where you were going with this hatch, do you, where we, we, you know how the fire department is, we're pretty rough on one another, you know. Right, and I, I do, we, to tell, do you think we shut some of that down because we... I think we have been. Right. I, I think we have been, uh, you know, moving away from And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of times where it goes way too far and stuff like that. But I used to joke a lot of times when a rookie would come in, you know, if I was a driver or whatever, and I, first thing I'd ask him, do you have tough skin? You're going to need it around here. You're going to need it. You know, and, and for the most part, guys aren't really trying to do it in a malicious way. They're trying to gauge whether they can trust you. Whether they can trust you on a scene, are you going to see something bad and completely shut down 
or are you going to fight back a little bit? If you fight back, then we know on the scene that you you know you're going to give it as good as you got. You know, because we're going to see terrible things. Yes. Unfortunately, we're going to see terrible and things. You're going to have to have that mental toughness. Right. And the last thing we want to know is when things get tough, you're going to shut down because we know that you can't. They're not going to be able to rely on you. And so I think that. I think that historically, nobody really probably quantified that. That's why they did it. You know, obviously, sometimes it's rather funny, but when it goes too far, I don't think they're still trying to get that, you know, out of it. But they just want to know, you know, how you're going to react. You know, if your buttons get pushed and things like that, when things are stressing you out, how are you going to act? Right. And I think that, 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 another, Mike, you're hitting these things like perfect on these segues because I want us to kind of reel back into combat ready. And one of the aspects of combat ready. Um, that we deal with is really that mental toughness. And I told you I wanted to go back to that physical aspect of combat ready. Okay. So when we get started with combat ready, we always start with that uh, stretch and warm-up component because we don't want anybody to kind of, you know, get hurt because right. there is a physical component. I mean, Most there's definitely. no way around what we have you're to getting ready together. to do. Exactly. So my question to you is, when, when, you, when you birthed, combat ready and you knew you were going to put the physical component in there was it for the purpose of starting to deal with the mental toughness like we want to get them to the right to the spot where they think they can't go anymore or was it the purpose of putting a focus on the requirement of fitness like a certain level of fitness is going to be required in this job what, what, where were you going with that well, when you thought okay, about so, that physical? So my mindset with the physical had to do with the group exposing each other to what their physical capabilities and limitations were. So, for instance, we worked out at the station level as a group. Not every shift, but definitely every Fitness Friday we would have to work out together. Part of that was to see where the limitations were for each other, who needed to help somewhere, so, number one, there's definitely a physical component that we have to do, but more than anything is so they're gauging each other out. You know we do that. We evaluate each other. We're looking at see who's struggling, who's not. Right. And it, that starts the process of us looking strength and weaknesses within right. the group. So that's where the, that physical component. That's where that so physical component So when we do that physical component, we're, we're trying to define the sidelines, so to speak, a little bit. We're starting the whole team component of it, of looking at each other, sweating together. There's definitely the physical preparedness Sizing part of it. Sizing each other up. Sizing each other up, going, okay, this, this person's struggling right now. And, you know, that person that may be struggling during that fitness activity for whatever reason really excels in something else and right. so the whole process is based we're always evaluating each other when you fill out your application till the day you retire you're being evaluated right so that's what we're doing for each other sizing each other up but there's of course that physical component that you have to have in there that when we sweat together that that does bring a bond i kind of you know we've done some training um mike and i worked on battalion games or what I, I call the battalion games I don't know if that's what you called them or not mm-hmm. when we were doing yeah I know what you're talking about the training at yeah. the battalion level training and uh, we so sat it over was lunch me and him and uh, Shane West we all right. sitting there just going we had a little piece and like oh well, let's do this hey what about this and blah 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 and then like he ran it and then he told Shane what he had done and he he tweaked it a little bit and so we all just kind of played around with it but that's the beauty of right just like we talked about earlier it's about the collaboration you know no single one person has to own the idea. We all own it. You know, we're right. going to build on it. And there was some cool stuff come out of there. And uh, I'm actually getting ready to ramp that up again um, at a different level uh, this fall. I wanted it to cool off a little bit because I'm trying <laughs> to be a nice guy. But my point is, is before we you got started nice on that um, that training ground, we were I was requiring our guys to do burpees prior to quick dress. And the whole point was, in my opinion, was you needed to get to a point of some level of anxiousness. You know, like when that bell rings and that adrenaline dumped and you've got all these things running through your head and and you get on the fire ground and you're hopping off the truck and you're pulling lines and there's this really this um, physical draw before you actually start the firefight or whatever tactic you're doing you know you're dressed out you're sitting there nailing down the front door like man i'm breathing hard right. <laughs> i didn't go inside all yet. right so that was why i did the burpees before we get started because you so you could kind of mimic that so i think for us so is that what we're no, for us when we go on the united we stand or the Ford right. forced march 
That's where that component comes in because we're going through a phase where nobody's seeing you. You're on your own. You have to pull this out of the inside. We get a, a dump of excitement and adrenaline when the public sees us do what we do. Right. That's just a fact. So that phase when we're going sweating and really paying the price and suffering in that initial march where there's nobody, it's too early and nobody's seeing us, that's where that's taking place. Once we go out into the community where the citizens are seeing what we're doing, it's almost like they give us that second breath that we right. need. So by that's the time why. we Yeah. So by the time we get back to the drill yard. Yeah, spirits are back up again. Spirits are back up. Everybody, we see why we're doing it. You, you've experienced some of the things uh, out there that happens when the citizens get involved that are just, some yeah. will make you cry, some will make you laugh. It's pretty awesome. So that whole thing, by the time you get back to the drill yard, to me, that is life. What are you thinking, buddy? Well, I'm just laughing because, I mean, the way that you're saying how this is how this was done, it sounds like you planned the whole thing out, but it's probably a lot more serendipitous than anything. Was like, oh, well, well, this, it this kind of works, and you're like, wow, that really worked and better than you, I thought yeah, it every, did. Every time we do this, I every time, and I don't know if Trost realizes is I get like really nervous, you know, because I don't even really know what my role is. So I always say, Trust, what exactly do you want me to do? And he always says, Do what you do. Do what you do. And we I'm need Shane like, there. We need Shane there. I'm and like, what it is, and you're right. I don't so know. we have we have the whole thing is planned out in the sense of I know where we're gonna start, I know where we're gonna finish, that type of stuff. The components in between, a lot of them are very dynamic and made up because you know we may have a uh, 70-year-old lady who happens to be picking up 10 cans on the side of the road leading your PT. Right. You may have a lady run up that says she lost her son to a fire, and now she's leading your PT. You just don't know what's going to happen. And once you involve the community, you also don't want something so planned that you don't allow life to happen. You don't allow somebody, you don't allow them to experience the Jason Evangelista, the Bill Voorhees, the Paul... Uh, it's just you want all that stuff to come out at the right time, yeah, and, and it just does. And again, we we kind of beat this up a little bit last time. It does end up being very organic. It's very real, and and part of that is because you can't define the team that shows up. Nope. You, you just react to the team that shows up. How right? they organize themselves, how they decide to... Uh, the last one was pretty amazing that group if i remember right and it's unbelievable one of the things that we do that i think is very much needed in the fire service is the what i would say is the only individual part is i don't want a contract or a signature i want to shake your hand and tell me that you're going to do what's best for the fire service and go to your department and be a positive light on it and stop bringing us down and i want to see you eye to eye and you shake my hand and we walk away with that contract right man to man or man to woman whatever the case may be and say you know go back go back and do good things don't yeah. let the sour apples bring you down and that's the only what i would call an individual but i want to engage you the cadre wants to engage you as an individual and say make that commitment to me you have somebody who, who's your your hands on a handshake you're you're making a commitment to it. and i think that's critical not just signing your name on a piece of paper and that commitment so we we know where so everybody knows what we're talking about, was basically not to get drugged down into those ruts. Correct. Of just, and I'm, I'm, I get, I'm guilty sometimes, I'm not going to lie, you know, it's easy to get drugged down and not be where you should be, you know, and that was kind of what Combat Ready did at that moment was say, hey, listen, we're not about that. It's about this, bringing this teamwork, this enthusiasm or whatever it is you're going to bring to the When you need help or you need uh, some uplifting, that's what you got your brothers and sisters for. Go go seek out some good counsel and get somebody to lift you up. Don't get around the crew that's going to continue to drag you down. And the whole Massey weekend actually really kind of does a lot of that. You oh, know, it some does. Of the, the different events, uh, the bash, and yeah. you know some of the things. It's such that we, a recharge. You know, the classes that you go to and you watch these guys. I mean, there's no difference in any of the instructors that we have whether they're nationally known or local, there's no difference than anybody else. Anybody can put in one of these classes right. and put together a class that is, you know, stellar and meet, will speak volumes to somebody. Exactly. You know, it's just a matter of putting it on a piece of paper. When we ask for, you know, open instructors, uh, I think it's actually going to be... I was about to say, it should be coming up. Yeah, somewhere in the middle of September. To Correct. The, uh, end of September, we'll start opening it up for uh, individuals to put in for classes. Open uh, open call for instructors, right? Correct. That's and I know we're running about. short on time, but on that, I just want to make mention there was an individual that uh, he was going to sign up for a to teach a class. And he talked to me about it. He's kind of nervous. He's saying, I'm not really an instructor. 
And my words to him is that's exactly what makes you an amazing instructor. The fact that you are looking at yourself going, I'm not sure. Well, we'll fast forward. I think he's going into his third year. One of the first classes to get full every single year now because the authenticity behind him. The, he's an amazing person. He may not be the most well-spoken instructor and all this, and that's what he was concerned with. But he's actually such an authentic person offering such an amazing class. His class fills within the first few weeks. His class is always full. So that's what Mapsy brings Who's to the that? table. Never said who it was. We're not throwing names and stuff out there. Oh, okay. Why not? Yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about you? So no, uh, no. So my, the way, I'm pretty this, way back. This is like a code oh, word. We're, we're gonna have to get on the website. Well, you're gonna have to do some research. Whichever one's filling up first, that's what we're that talking about. Yeah, 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 but you know what? Scott Stroop does put together an amazing class. Stroop's awesome. That class. Is I love awesome. you, Stroop. It's an amazing <laughs> class, and you know, Stroop has has really organized something phenomenal. And you know, uh, you're sorry right. if you didn't want to say that, but he, okay. you know, He'll be okay. he has his concerns. I've known him for a long time. He'll be fine. And he does have a very real, authentic. Yeah, he's, that's what makes yeah. him awesome. And he's got such a knowledge base, and what he yeah. can bring is just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, and he's sharing it, and that's yeah. what we're, that's, that's, that's that is what, what, absolutely that's what's key. key. I mean, this whole thing started like right at the end of 2008, 2009. Uh, I'm talking about maths. He started when a lot of departments were cutting their training budgets because they just didn't have the finances, they were having to do right. a lot of cuts. And we were looking at ways that we could provide, you know, low-cost training to the area. And, and now it's grown, what, seven years? And we have people that fly in from Washington State all over the country. I don't know how many states country. we represented this past year. I didn't know. I'm not sure. This but it was quite a, a lot. Quite a lot. Yeah, so the outreach is, is pretty amazing, you know. And, and again, it's, it's just about... We're not saying, you know, this is the best or this is the way to do it. We're just sharing our experiences, what we've learned, whatever, and collaborating and growing from it, you know. And hopefully the, the fire department is the beneficiary. Yeah. Right. And there's like, and again, I keep, we keep saying we, and there's like so many key people behind oh, yeah, that, who that MAPSI group is, you know. And we really, one of these soon, you know, we need to really think about that origins concept. We're, that's we're just a, the ones with a uh, digital soapbox to get on right now. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so uh, we need to get those guys in here and let them uh, let them do their part. Yeah, pull sure. back Tell the cur curtain it. a little bit and talk yeah, about how, talk how about, it began. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the inner workings of it. I think that's going to be a great one. All right. Uh, it's that time, Trosh. You ready? I'll do my best. This we're we're going to come up with a name for these questions at some point, but uh, we, we, we don't have one now. But we're, we're trying – the concept is, is trying to have the – the same questions posed to to the guest to kind of get a little insight to the to the guest itself, uh, some of their thoughts, some of their thinkings. Don't hold it against me. Well, no, no, no. Some of these are trivial. This is this is fun part right here. All right, Hatch, you ready? Let me just start. Yeah, yeah, you go with them. Okay, um, Trosh, what's your favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? You know, I've given that some <laughs> thought. I don't have one, and I can't come up with one. But if you haven't heard the latest. Uh, audio from that FDNY fire that took place. <laughs> right now I would have to say that's my favorite and it'd be censored if I said it, but I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah, that was uh if you haven't just look it up. It recently aired FDNY radio traffic that I thought was pretty spectacular. You know, ever had anything like that happen on the fire ground? I have I don't know what you're talking about. Great. As soon as we're done look I'll it up. Preview you to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get you up. So sorry. I, I can say that, that uh, we we've had that happen somewhat very similar to that at our department. So what's your least favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? I would have to say that the phrase that I like the least is when we've completed and, and you always have or often have the individual that says, well, nobody got hurt. Great job. That, that bothers me. It never really sits well with me. Why? Cause, because you get lucky multiple times. doesn't necessarily constitute that common. That puts a sense of relaxation on it that I don't feel is right. That's not a, to me, that doesn't sit well. Just because there's many a times that we've been speeding and have crashed, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. So I just, it doesn't sit well with me that just because we're okay, there's nothing to learn from, and it's just all good. Your class is half empty kind of guy, aren't you? No, I'm a <laughs> let's learn and let's be realistic. So the least likely phrase is, well, nobody got hurt. Was yes. that? Yeah, there's probably a whole podcast yeah. on that statement alone. <laughs> you <laughs> asked, a, I answered. That's a tough one right yeah. there. That, that, uh, I'm yeah. glad nobody got hurt, of course. Don't get me wrong. Of course I'm glad nobody got hurt. I just don't really want to advertise. All right, moving on. 
Uh, what motivates you? This actually ought to be pretty good because I've wondered this myself. Because you're like a machine. For those who don't know Troche, this guy is a machine. I mean, I his ideas that. are out there and just so progressive. And so I have multiple sources of motivation. I'll say, of course, I'm a, a man of faith. So a big motivator would be me, my faith. My family's a great deal of motivation for me. I have uh, three girls and a boy and my wife. And... It means everything to me to make sure that they are pleased with me. That's a great, great motivator for me. And I surround myself around people like yourselves. It's a great, great motivator for me is to surround myself at people that I can look up and say, this is the direction that I want to go in. So I'm constantly moving in the up direction. Well, that's a good one. I, and I'll say you have a beautiful family. I always love seeing their posts. And mm -hmm. it always makes me just feel good, you know, because you guys are just seem so... Just a good family. Just They're awesome. a beautiful that's family. my life. Absolutely. I love that. All right. What's your favorite book? All right. So that's a very, very difficult question. You okay with I'm good. You choking out or what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took up a little time. <laughs> Suck it up. Suck oh, it up. There's that thing. <laughs> I have to, well, not Go ahead. Okay. So uh, <laughs> what I came up with as far as a book, and it has everything to do with the some of the circumstances behind it, is No Easy Day. I think it's a phenomenal book, a great book, but it ties in directly into a relationship with my nephew when he was considering going into the military and special forces. And when he said that, I have a great, great deal of respect for uh, our military and, and the special forces and wanted to make sure he was crystal clear on what he was saying and the weight of those words. And I got to share that book with him and it, it just had a tremendous impact on him. So because of the relationship we have and how that book really brought in some communication and some events for us, it has a, I have a great love for that book for that reason. Does that book influence what you do in the fire, on, in the fire service? Yes. That and many other books, but yes. Because I, I every day to me well, what's is... What's the one part of that book that's like, like what, you know, if you had to like, your nugget out of that thing. What what is it? It's just a self sacrifice. You 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 really put yourself last. Something bigger than you. Something bigger than you is happening. Okay. Um. <laughs> this is a good one right here. Uh, what profession would you most want to do if you were not a firefighter? That's a great question. So, Hatch, what do you think I would do? No, no, I know he wasn't going to ask me. Well, I'm just curious. What do you no, think? No, because okay. I think it should wait till afterwards and then say, okay. because I think that's what ends up. Without any question whatsoever, With that, be, it's like not a pause. If you're no not pause, a firefighter, you would have been in the military, full career, guaranteed. Okay. Wow. There's Cause, no because of the sacrifice and the, you know serving yes, a bigger cause. I, I can see that. Yes. Uh, for those that don't know, I was not born in this country, so I migrated into you this weren't? country. Are you being scared? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't know that either? No. So anyway, I have a great, great, great deal of respect for the country, the flag, and the military, and there's no question the military would have been that's what, I think that's what I love about this place, man. I just, I love it. It's not really just this place, but even our fire service, at, in our, your home, my home, whatever, um, it's just such a diversity there. You there know, is. It such really a, is. just a really, you know, rich diversity there. All right, last question. All right. At your retirement, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as an individual of integrity, somebody who led their career with integrity as a family man. Very important for me to people, for people to remember me and say, you know, he was a good family man. He took care of his family and his family came first. So, you know, back to the relationship, things that we were talking about, I'd really like people to remember me, not only professionally, but the fact that, I am a family man and, and all that kind of stuff. And I did lead with integrity. To me, my character is a very big deal. And uh, I'm very cautious of ever, ever putting myself in a position that would compromise my character, my integrity. All right. That's good. Um, I, I hope for us, you know, the retirement question. And I've, Mike did the retirement question. I like this better. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I think this is better. But it, it makes me think about retirement. And, um, you know, there's going to come a day when we're not there anymore. You know, we're not going to be at the firehouse. And I hope that 
uh, and I feel like that we will, that we still get to gather together, you know, and go have dinner, movie, pizza, whatever. Oh, yeah. I Hang out, you know. Especially from this, the Massey experience, we've made some lifelong yeah, connections with, with individuals. And, you know. and that's kind of what the, you know, fire service does. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of other workplaces that mm-hmm. do that same thing, but there's always something special about the fire service about building lifelong friends because you spend so much time together. Yeah, you know, my daughter just got married last weekend, and in her wedding, the photographer said, I need your family to come out here. I have a very, very large family, and there's uh, fire service brothers that are their family. And it's like, right. hey, you got to come in and get on in the picture. They're getting ready to take a picture. That is family. That's cool. That's awesome. All right, well. We got one new question. What was the new question? What was the new question? Oh, your question. That's right. Bill wants this, so let's go ahead and do it. Oh, you want to say it? Yeah, because I, I don't. All right, so if if you were going to be a fighter or you were going to be introduced coming into the ring or coming on stage or whatever it is, and there could be a song that you could walk out to, what would that song be? That song would be Bad Company by Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> it's a pretty aggressive song. It is. That's a good one, too. Sure. Why? Why? Because I... Because it's an aggressive song. It really pumps me, and and I think it suits me fine that I'm not coming in alone. I'm coming in with with the troops, and we're we're about to do some work. Yeah, that's cool. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up with that. I appreciate it, Trost. That was was awesome. Hatch, I think this was good, man. Yeah. Um, Bill, we miss you, and uh, we'll go from there. Hey guys, definitely uh, check us out on Facebook. If you have an opportunity, uh, leave us feedback about the podcast. You know, ask questions or give us ideas for you know other podcasts you may want to hear. Uh, but uh, check it out at the website and uh, rate it if you can. All right. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. All right. Bye. Thanks.